Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about the tax benefits associated with investing in shares. And the thing is that there's lots of terminology, I guess, with respect to shares, particularly things like franking credits and imputation credits, dividend yields and so forth. Uh, and these were um, heavily discussed last year uh, during the, the the federal election campaign uh, because the Labor Party was proposing to really ban uh, franking credit refunds, particularly for self-managed super funds. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't really understand what do we mean by franking credits, imputation credits, and so forth. They're um, really the same thing, uh, just two different words to describe the same thing. So I thought uh, what I'd do is write a blog and produce a podcast to really clarify really what are the tax implications of investing in shares and in particular explain what does franking credits mean, uh, how does it work and when is, when is it important to take into account. Um, so there's two types of taxes that uh, will typically result from making any investment including share market investments and that is income tax and then capital gains tax. Obviously, income tax is levied on the income that the investment produces during the financial year. Uh, capital gains tax, however, is obviously only applies uh, if you sell the asset and you make a, a profit. So you sell it for your net sale proceeds are more than the acquisition, total acquisition costs of that investment. Um, so naturally, some shares pay uh, an, uh, an, an income uh, and that's called a dividend Typically, most businesses or listed companies will pay uh, dividends twice per year. That is an interim dividend plus a final dividend. Uh, and of course, dividends can vary significantly between companies. They can be uh, nothing. Some some businesses don't actually pay a dividend, don't distribute any profit either because they've got none or uh, they, they want to reinvest their profits. Uh, and whereas other companies will have, you know, pay as a percentage, very high uh, dividends. This is called a dividend yield and I did a podcast last year on uh, share investing, it's called Share Investing 101. Uh, so certainly if you want to learn a little bit more about the basics of share investing terminology and the key points, uh, certainly check that one out. Uh, so uh, a company can declare a dividend after post-tax profits. So it needs to, uh, it can only pay dividend from retained earnings, so that's previous year's profits, or this year's profit after they've paid their corporate tax. Um, the dividend imputation system was introduced in Australia in 1987 by the Hawke-Keating Labor government, and it essentially sought to avoid the double taxing of corporate profits. Now, what does that mean, double taxing of corporate profits? Well, let me explain using a relatively simple example. Let's assume listed company XYZ recorded a profit per share of, say, $100. So it made $100 per share um, in that particular year. Uh, on $100, a company, particularly a company that has a turnover of greater than $50 million, will have a corporate tax rate of 30%. So it's pretty easy. $100 times 30%, it needs to pay $30 in tax. So therefore, its profit after tax is, is $70, the remaining monies after paying for their, um, their tax bill. 
Now, if they pay out the entire profit, the $70, uh, to shareholders, um, and there wasn't an imputation system, and if the shareholder was an individual on the highest marginal tax rate, then on that $70, that individual is going to pay 47% uh, in terms of tax. So they would pay just short of $33 in tax, meaning that there's around about $37 left over. And as you can see in this instance, uh, the profit has been taxed twice, once in the hand of the company and then secondly in the hand of the, the shareholder. So the company paid $30, the shareholder paid $33. Uh, so really it, the total amount of tax paid is $67 or uh, sorry, $63, I should say, or 63%. And to tax company profits at 63%, uh, isn't very competitive. You're not going to attract investors in uh, in Australia to, to um, invest in companies if the potential result is you pay 63% in tax. And so the Hawke-Keating uh, government introduced the imputation system. Uh, and so essentially what the imputation system means is that shareholders get a credit for, the, for any taxes that have already been paid by the company. So that's what we call franking or imputation credits. Uh, and these are typically these can be attached to a dividend. So some companies can pay an unfranked dividend, which means there's no franking credits attached. Or some companies, particularly blue chip companies, tend to pay what they call fully franked uh, dividends, which means that they've got the full 30% franking credit attached to that, uh, that particular dividend. The formula for working out what is the impact, what's the end impact, um, uh, utilising the imitation credits is pretty simple. Uh, you add the cash amount of the dividend plus the franking credit, you multiply that by your marginal tax rate, and then you, you, you take a credit for the franking credit, so you reduce that amount of tax by the franking credits. Let me explain again using a relatively simple example, and returning to the previous example where the company made $100 profit, they paid $30 in tax, and so they had $70 left over, and they paid that $70 as a dividend. So if I uh, am the individual and I own those shares in my personal name and I'm on the highest marginal tax rate, then essentially the way to work out how much additional tax I'll need to pay is simple. You add the dividend, the $70, plus the franking credits, which is the $30, brings me back to the original $100 amount. I multiply that amount by my marginal tax rate, which is 47%. That gives me $47. Uh, and then I reduce that tax payable by the franking credit, which is the $30, because essentially what the, the imputation system is saying is the original company's profit was $100. And really all we want to do is tax that in your hands as the individual shareholder. So you're going to pay $47. However, because the company's already paid $30 in tax, you'll get a credit for that amount. And therefore, as an individual shareholder, I'll only pay another $17, really the difference between 47 and 30 naturally, another $17 uh, of tax in respect to that dividend. So really I'll receive the dividend, the cash dividend of $70 and I'll pay $17 uh, in ad additional tax, which means I keep uh, $53. Uh, and so that's why it's seeking, that's what the imputation system does, is uh, avoid double taxation of uh, of profits. Now the kicker is obviously that when the effective tax rate of the shareholder is less than the corporate tax rate, 
uh, what you'll do is receive a refund of the imputation credits. And this can have a really big impact on, uh, on investment returns, uh, particularly for some entities. And a good example is like a, a, a super fund because it has a flat tax rate of 15% in accumulation phase or zero in pension phase. So therefore, if a, if a super fund received the $70 dividend, essentially what they'd get is the $70 dividend plus a refund of $15 of imputation credits if it was in accumulation phase. And that's because it's only going to pay 15% in tax where the company already paid prepaid 30% of tax. So the super fund's going to get a refund. If the super fund was in pension phase, they would get the entire franking credit uh, refunded, in which case they keep $100, which is really equal to the pre-tax profit of uh, the company at that time. So as you can see, and I'm going to talk a little bit in a second about different ownership structures, uh, but how you own uh, your shares and whether you're receiving franked uh, dividends can have a big impact on overall uh, net investment returns. If you invest in international shares, uh, there, there's, most other countries don't have an imputation system like Australia except for New Zealand, uh, so you're not going to get uh, imputation credits. Uh, you might uh, receive some uh, foreign tax credits attached to uh, income as a result of investing overseas, uh, but they're unlikely to be material and you certainly can't get a refund. So if you're, you know, if you're in negative territory in terms of uh, tax refunds like uh, a, a super fund is, you're not going to get a refund if they're foreign tax credits. Uh, so so really, this is only really attributable to Australian shares or any companies or investments listed in Australia. Uh, so how does capital gains tax work? So that's income tax, capital gains tax. Essentially, if you sell your shares for a profit and you've held them uh, for more than 12 months, uh, then essentially you're taxed on the net gain of the shares divided by tw- divided by two, so you get a fifty percent uh, discount, and then that portion is taxed at your marginal rate. So let's use another example. Uh, for example, Karen purchased Afterpay shares in January eighteen uh, at uh, six dollars fifty per share. Uh, Afterpay, uh, if you haven't followed it very closely, uh, has been a really strong performer. So let's assume that Karen sold those shares in January twenty twenty, so this month. Uh, for $34, and that's a real-life example, they have the shares have increased since the beginning of 18 at $6.53 to $34, so a really healthy profit of $27.5 per share. Um, but because Karen's owned it for more than 12 months, she can discount that gain of $27.5 per share by 50%, which means that she'll only be taxed on $13.75 per share and gain, and that $13.75 will be taxed at her marginal tax rate. If that's 47%, uh, then she'll pay around about $6.50 per share in tax on the gain. So that's how to work out uh, the capital gains tax consequences of investing in shares, which is relatively simple and not, not different to really most other investments, including uh, property and so forth. So the key point, I guess, here is I've, already made is that different owners will produce different tax outcomes. And this is really important when developing a plan, understanding what the underlying investments look like, uh, and then building a strategy around that. So let me give you an example. 
Um, there's three different ways that you could potentially uh, invest in shares in a super fund, through a family trust, or in personal names. If it's in a super fund, you're obviously going to benefit from the tax, the flat tax, the flat rate of tax of 15% in accumulation or zero in pension phase. Um, let's use a real life example. Let's look at Westpac shares. Westpac paid a dividend uh, last in the last 12 months, a total cash dividend of $1.74 per share. It was fully franked, which means that there were 75 cents of franking credits attached to these dividends. Therefore, if a, a super fund uh, that was in pension phase owned these shares, the total amount of revenue they would have received is $2.49, so nearly $2.50, or nearly about 10% of the value of the shares. So really a 10% income over the last 12 months from investing in those shares. That's pretty good returns given uh, turn deposit rates are, are below 2% typically. Uh, if the super fund was still in accumulation phase, they would have received uh, $2.11 or 8.5% uh, in terms of income, still a really healthy income. Um, if you invest through a family trust, there's uh, really it'll be taxed uh, at the hands of the beneficiaries, um, but you can distribute elements, uh, different elements in the family trust to different beneficiaries. So, for example, frank dividends could go to one beneficiary, unfranked dividends could go to another. Uh, and also, if, if your trust produces a capital gain, we could distribute the capital gain to someone, for example, that had a carry-forward capital loss that they could utilise. Uh, so a family trust is going to uh, help us distribute different types of income to different beneficiaries over time. Uh, and lastly, personal name, it's pretty straightforward. Tax at your marginal tax rate. Uh, and so that could change over time, but you don't have a lot of flexibility. Essentially, really, whether you own your shares in a super fund, family trust or personal name, um, it can have a material impact depending on what your underlying investments are. It can have a material impact on your investment returns. And so if you get that decision right, you're potentially looking at much higher returns uh, uh, versus getting it wrong. And uh, I would look at it at a portfolio level. So for example... If I was developing a strategy for a client that had uh, share investments in a family trust and also a super fund, what I might do is put the um, Australian investments in the super fund and the international investments uh, in the, the family trust because uh, obviously the super fund is going to enjoy better tax benefits uh, you know, from the imputation system in the super fund than what they might do in the family trust. So taking that holistic view rather than just looking at, okay, how is my super invested and I've got an asset allocation there and a, and look at it on a piecemeal basis, it's better to take a holistic view and then consider the tax outcomes associated with that. Um, and so I guess this demonstrates, you know, the need for planning, but hopefully this podcast has clarified what is imputation how does it work and what are the benefits, particularly in different ownership structures? Now, that doesn't mean you should rush out and go on and invest in shares. In fact, I don't believe that investing in direct shares is a good strategy because there is overwhelming evidence that demonstrates that uh, very few people or businesses, in fact, less than 1%, can pick which shares to buy and then when to sell them so consistently well that they generate materially higher returns than the market. 
So therefore, I believe instead that people should utilise a diversified portfolio of low-cost rules-based index runs that use various methodologies. And there's a couple of blogs. I've included some links to a couple of blogs I've written about this that will share more information about this, which you'll find in the show notes or the um, written blog on our website. Uh, So I hope that's been uh, really useful. And until next week, bye for now.